There was a first-year seminary student at a Catholic seminary, and the dean came over to this first year and said, I pick you. You get to preach at chapel tomorrow morning. And this first-year student was really nervous. He had never preached a sermon before, but he went home and he began to read and read and read, and nothing came to him. So he began to think and think and think, and nothing came to him. He stayed up all hours of the night trying to write a sermon, and nothing came to him. And so he went to sleep, hoping that he would wake up in the morning inspired by the Holy Spirit. And he woke up and still nothing. But he went to chapel anyway, and at the right time, he went and he stood in the pulpit And he looked out at his friends, his peers, his teachers, the faculty, the staff. And he said, do you know what I'm going to say? And they looked at him and they all shook their head, no. And he said, neither do I. Worship is over. Go in peace. The dean was not happy. The dean came over and he said, okay, that was not good. I'm going to give you another try. He said, I want you to preach in chapel tomorrow. So he went home, this student, this first year student, he went home and he read and he read and he read and nothing came to him. And so he began to think and he think and think and think. And again, nothing came to him. So he went to bed hoping that at some point in the middle of the night, the Holy Spirit would inspire him. He woke up with nothing. And he went to chapel, and at the right time, he stood in the pulpit, and he looked out at everybody again and said, do you know what I'm going to say? And they all shook their heads, yes, yes, nod, yes. And he said, well, then I don't have to tell you, worship is over, go in peace. I stand before you today, and I ask you the same question, do you know what I'm going to say? Yes, of course you do. You should nod your head. It is Easter Sunday. You know I'm going to say Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. But no, worship is not over. You cannot go in peace yet. Of course you know what I'm going to say because it's Easter morning. And it's a very important story. And in fact, this story of Easter is so important, people who don't even believe it know it. It's become such an important story that a lot of people have equated Easter Sunday to the Super Bowl. In the last month, people have said to me, are you getting ready for the Super Bowl, Marion? You know, Marion, the Church of Super Bowl is coming up. Are you getting ready for it? And that's really got me thinking, because if Easter Sunday is like the Super Bowl, then we are here only for the commercials. (laughs) And I know we don't really have commercials, but we kind of have announcements. I don't know if that's the same. Commercials are those little in-between moments of the bigger picture. Those commercials are the little moments, actually, that people remember the most. And we have that in our faith, don't we? We have those little moments in the middle that we hang on to. 
We have those moments in the middle that we can remember and that's what gives us life. Those moments in the middle. There really are similarities though between the Super Bowl and Easter. Super Bowl happens pretty much the same time every year. So does Easter. And you know what? You do not have to like football to know about Super Bowl. You don't have to like football to go to a Super Bowl party. You don't have to like golf to go to a master's party, and you don't have to like baseball to go to a Braves party. Half of it is just being together. Part of the biggest part is just to gather and be with one another, and so it is good to be together. You may not know everyone here, and you may never know, but this is the moment that we are all gathered here together, and it is good. And if you're wondering where our food is at this party, it is downstairs. After worship, we really do have a free brunch, and we would love for you to join us after worship. Thinking about the Super Bowl makes me think about who even played Do we even remember who was actually in the Super Bowl this year? Anybody? Who? He knows. I had to look it up, but you know that is awesome. Very good. Do we even know any of the names of the players? He knows. Very nicely done. I love it. Very good. Do you know who played the year before? Anybody? Does anybody know who played the year before? I would have said Colts too. I don't know. Who? Okay, we have a football fan. Very nice. Very nice. Whoever plays in the Super Bowl every year, it changes, doesn't it? You have a pool, a number of teams that come together, and they all play, and it's always different every year. Very nice. The same is true for our Easter story. Every year, depending upon the story that you read, the players are different. Can you name any of the players of our Easter story? Any of them? Anybody? Mary Magdalene, Jesus, definitely. Another Mary, I heard another Mary, I heard Peter. Judas is in the story, yeah. Anybody else? Jesus' mother, Pontius Pilate. Very good, we know the story. Depending upon the version of the Easter message, the players are different. And the earliest account that we have of the resurrection is actually recorded in the book of Corinthians. That's the earliest recorded version. And the gospel stories, they have a different version. And every version of the Easter story, while the bigger picture is exactly the same, there are different names and there are different visuals and there are different nuances. And so this year... I'm going to read the version from John. It's from John. It's chapter 20, and it's about 18 verses. 
And you can read it along with me on your phone, so it's okay to have your phone out. You can read it in a real Bible if you happen to have brought one of those, but you can also read it on the screens with me. The Easter story. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. And so she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. And then Peter and the other disciples set out and went toward the tomb. And the two were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there. But he did not go in. And then Simon Peter came following him, and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. And then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in and saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. And then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary, Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she went, she bent over to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying. One at the head and the other at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? And supposing it to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go, go and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. And Mary Magdalene went ahead and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. One of my very favorite lines in scripture, do not hold on to me. Some translations, they actually say, do not touch me, which I think is very human because I can hear children saying that all the time. Don't touch me. Mom, he touched me. Mom, dad, don't touch me. Don't touch me. It's a very human thing for Jesus to say, do not hold on to me. 
Here in this moment of an empty tomb, Mary is weeping. Mary has grabbed the feet of Jesus and Jesus says, do not hold on to me. Do not hold on to who I was. Do not hold on to the things that were. Do not hold on to me because it feels safe. Do not hold on to grief. Do not hold on to resentment. Do not hold on to me, but run and tell a new story. Run ahead. Of course, Mary's not the only one who's running in this story. There's a great moment where Peter and this disciple whom Jesus loved, they're running toward the tomb, but one can't handle it and he has to outrun the other. He has to go ahead and see for himself and he runs in. Run ahead. My brother-in-law does that a lot. My brother-in-law likes to be the one to run ahead. He has a group of friends that he and his family, they all travel with. So weeks like spring break, these families, they pick a place that they want to visit. And then they pick a house together. And this one particular time, my brother-in-law said, you know what, guys? I'm just going to run down real fast. I'm just going to run ahead of y'all. I'm just going to make sure everything looks okay for us. So he got to the house that they had rented, and it was full. It was full of people. And those are the kind of people, he said, it looked like they weren't going anywhere. You know how that is? He said they looked very settled. So he called the booking company, and turns out there was a mistake. The booking company overbooked the house. And in fact, the checkout date was actually the check-in date. So it took a little bit of doing, but the company found a new house for them to stay in. But it was a little smaller, like by a bedroom and a bathroom. But it was fine. It was fine. My brother-in-law said he went into this new place. And he said, compared to what the other house was, it felt empty. It's like this new place just was totally empty and kind of sad. So he sent a quick text out and he said, don't bring food I'm on it. And if you've ever been on a trip for about a week, you know what happened next. Everybody begins to flood in the text message with their preferences. Could you get me the lemon and not the lime? I prefer this bag of chips over this bag of chips. My son really likes these cookies, but my daughter loves these cookies. And all of a sudden, it all came through. My brother-in-law said it took him hours at the grocery store. If you've ever been to the one to shop, you know what that feels like. He finally gets back to the house and he fills the pantry with food and he fills the refrigerator with food and he even went into the rooms and he put the sheets on the bed so everything would be ready. And as soon as he sat down to rest, he could hear the cars of everybody pull up. So he very quickly got up just to open the door. And of course, no one really understood what he did. They all just rushed in and started eating and immediately went to their rooms to pick the different places. And that's how it is, isn't it? There's such a temptation to forget all the preparations that go into a moment. 
The temptation is to forget all that Jesus had to prepare, all that Jesus had to do to get to today, to the celebration. Jesus had to run ahead of us into the towns. Jesus had to run ahead to heal and to help and to teach and to eat with people no one else wanted to eat with. Jesus had to run ahead and love the people that nobody else loved. And Jesus actually had to run ahead and touch the people that no one else wanted to. They were deemed the untouchables. Jesus had to run ahead of us. In fact, it's actually recorded in John a little before where Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. And where I go, I will bring you with me. And that is when we will all feast at a heavenly banquet. We forget Jesus ran ahead of us. There's another man who ran ahead of a group, and he actually is at our church. His name is Leonard, if you know him. And Leonard is a volunteer leader for something called Dare to Care. It's the hurricane relief ministry we support. And so Leonard had a group of about five or six, and they were headed to Fort Myers. They were going to continue to work on damage that was done from Hurricane Ian. And Leonard came and found me. And he said, Marion, I know the trip's not for another week, but I'm just going to run ahead of the group. I'm just going to go check it out. I want to see where we're staying. I want to see what we're going to be able to do. So I'm just going to run ahead if you don't mind. I said, that's fine. And I said, I'm just going to tell you one random thing I just learned today, Leonard. And I said, there's a little grant. It's through the foundation of our church, and here's the exact amount. And I said, I need to write this grant as soon as possible, because if I don't write the grant, if we don't spend the money by the end of March, it'll be gone. And it has to be spent on a religious building. I said, I know that sounds crazy, but just keep it in your mind, just in case you need to know. I have this grant money through the foundation, has to be spent on a religious building. I don't really think he paid attention to me, but he went on his way. A few days later, Leonard called me. And he said, Marion, I'm in Fort Myers. I ran ahead and here I am. And he said, I went to the church where we were all supposed to stay. You know how that is. You go to a church because you have to spend the night in the fellowship hall and the cots or in Sunday school classrooms. That's how we do. He said, I went to the church where we're all supposed to stay because I wanted to talk to the team that was there before us. And he said, the place is empty. Nobody's here, Marion. And so he said, I had to go look for somebody in charge. And I finally found somebody in charge. And it turns out that the city shut the church down. The risk management team decided that the church building had work that needed to be done. And it wasn't deemed safe until it was done. So none of the work groups could stay at that church. So Leonard didn't stop there. He found somebody else in charge. And he said, why aren't you doing this work here at the church? 
Why aren't you finishing your own repairs? And the man said, insurance money is gone. We don't have any more money left for the supplies, much less the labor. The labor in Fort Myers alone is cost prohibitive. And so Leonard said, well, just, I don't know, tell me how much it are the repairs anyway? How much would you need for the supplies? Handed him a piece of paper with an exact estimate almost to the penny of the grant that I had just told him about. I said, Mary, you're not going to believe this. He said, we can cover this cost. And he said, Mary, you're not going to believe this either. He said, the team I have coming, they can finish all the work and supply all the labor. It'll take us about three days. Leonard ran ahead. And when he did, a place that was empty has life again. Do not hold on, but run ahead of me and teach and heal and help Run ahead and love the people that you don't agree with. Run ahead of me and be a soft landing place for teenagers. Run ahead of me and eat with people that no one else will eat with. Run ahead and be that place of discernment for another. Run ahead of me and tell a story of new life. Do not hold on to what was, but run ahead of me and tell my people about my love. And when we do that, we're telling the story every single time. When we are the ones that choose to go before another to help, we become one of those players in the story that year. It's ours to do. It's ours to create those moments in the middle for others to experience that love, to experience God, to hold on to. It's ours to run ahead and be a person that tells the news, this is what I have heard, and he is risen, because the tomb is empty. That poor first-year seminary student, he was in a lot of trouble. So the dean came over to him, and the dean said, I'm going to give you one more chance. If you don't preach a sermon in the morning, I will kick you out of school. So the first year student went home and he read and he read and he read and nothing came. So he began to think and think and think. Nothing came. He went to sleep hoping the Holy Spirit would inspire him, and he woke up still with nothing. Went into the chapel, stood up at the appropriate time in the pulpit. You know the question he asked. 
do you know what I'm going to say? Half the people said yes, half the people said no. And he said, those of you who know, tell the people who don't know. And before he could say it, the dean stood up and said, the people who know the story, tell those who don't know the story. Finally, the gospel is proclaimed. Worship is over. Go in peace. Amen. Pray with me. Holy and gracious Lord, you are a God of so many surprises. And today we know that the tomb is empty, and so we say thank you. Thank you for bringing hope out of despair, resurrection out of defeat, and new life out of death. We know you made the dry bones dance, and so we bring to you the ways that we need help as well. For those places, Lord, where we have let resentment fester, show us ways to forgive. In the corners where grief holds on to us too tightly, show us how to let go and be comforted. Instead of clinging to the ways that we are right over someone else's opinion, may we take a step toward reconciliation. And Lord, for those who struggle with illness, or disability, or a transition not of their own making, grant them ways to be confident and to listen with ease and to find strength. And give us arms, Lord, to embrace those who are hurting of all ages and stages and for all reasons. And give us the perspective to help others celebrate milestones and anniversaries Give us more patience, too, to deal with the people in front of us so that we can listen and learn together. May all the signs of new life around us, may it inspire us in our relationships and allow us to have cries of joy shining through our actions. And Lord, for governments, for nations, and for churches that are at war, Show all of us ways of letting go of our pride and err in the favor of the least of these. But in all things, let our kindness overturn evil because we know that today grace is stronger, mercy is larger, and joy is greater. We pray all of these things in the name of the one who is risen. Amen. I do invite you to respond through your giving. When you give to Chapel Roswell, you're giving through the campus of Roswell United Methodist Church. And we are able to support our children's ministries, our youth ministries, and so many other things when you choose to give. One of the ways that we are able to give is through our giving garden. Just in case you didn't know this, we have a beautiful garden right down in the parking lot behind me. And today on Easter morning was the very first harvest. And so today our community, our giving garden, Lauren, Lauren went down and she actually um, 
picked radishes. So today on Easter morning, we have radishes for the first time today. And so you're giving help to make sure we had radishes in our garden. And so thank you. I invite you to give and now I invite you to stand and sing.